The student ministry podcast you're about to hear is a sermon preached by Brother Larry Chapel at the 2009 West Coast Baptist Teen Camp. Brother Chapel serves in the youth ministries of Lancaster Baptist Church, and we hope this message is a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. On April 20th, 2008, there was a man, man by the name of Antonio. Antonio was 51 years old, and Antonio was inspired by a certain story. How many of you guys heard a story before, and that inspires you to do something? All right, maybe you, maybe you watch a basketball movie about a great basketball player. Guys, you ever done this before? You watch a basketball movie, and you go, and maybe you're watching a movie about Pistol Pete Maravich, and now you see how he dribbled and how he was the smallest guy on the team. And how many of you guys have ever watched a movie like that? And man, now you went and played basketball right after the movie because you got pumped up about that. And I don't know what girls watch and girls get excited, but maybe guys, maybe you watched a movie, maybe you watched Rocky, maybe you watched some boxing, and then afterwards, how many guys have been there before? You went and you, you boxed someone. You boxed your brother. You just punched your sister randomly just because you were so excited about that. Maybe you watched a Western movie, guys, when you're growing up. And you, right after that movie, you went and asked your mom, can you go buy me some boots? Can you buy, buy me a gun? I want to be a cowboy. And for the next couple weeks, you're a cowboy. How many of you guys have been inspired by a story like that before? I have, I have. There's a, there, this guy, Antonio, he was inspired by a story. Let me tell you the story. A few years earlier, there was a na- man by the name of Larry Hobson, all right? Larry Hobson woke up one day. Larry Hobson was a scientist, and to be honest, he was a little bit bored. The summer had kind of swung in, and you guys know how it is during the summer. You kind of get bored sometimes. Sometimes when you get into the school year, it's just fast-paced. You've got things to do. You have hardly any time to do anything. And then the summer comes, and it's, it's, you've got all sorts of time, and Larry Hobson had a whole bunch of time. And Larry Hobson decided he was going to do something special one day during the summer, and that was that Larry Hobson was going to tie to his lawn chair hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of helium balloons. And he decided, and here's what he thought in his mind, if I can tie enough helium balloons, I'm going to float up in the air, and uh, it'll be a nice trip around the neighborhood. And Larry Hobson did so. He, He went and got helium balloons. Like I said, he was a scientist, so he worked at a place where they had these large capacity helium balloons. And these were not the party store balloons. These were the, these were the real big helium balloons. And I mean, these things were powerful. And he tied hundreds of them to his lawn chair. And he thought to himself, he had some weights. And he thought, I'm going to get on this lawn chair. I'm going to cut the weights off. And I'll start floating up. And he says, I'm going to take a BB gun with me. So when I want to go down, I can just shoot the balloons. Now, how many guys, that sounds like a logical plan for the summer. How many guys say, man, that sounds like fun. Let's do that right now with the chapel. Let's float home. Forget the bus. Let's float home. Let's get lawn chairs out here. So Larry Hobson, that was his plan, all right? Except for Larry Hobson didn't quite just float up around the neighborhood. Larry Hobson went, and he began to float above and beyond his neighborhood, and Larry Hobson was from the L.A. area. Most of us are from the L.A. area. I know we got a few from Arizona and some other states. But in the L.A. area, Larry Hobson began to float, float, float over towards LAX. How many guys have been towards LAX before? That is not the place you want to be floating your lawn chair, let me tell you that. Larry Hobson floats his lawn chair over LAX, over the airport. There was a, a call into the air traffic control center. An unidentified flying object was flying there. F-16s were called in. They didn't know what this was. Lo and behold, this was Larry Hobson. When they got closer, they saw a man a thousand feet in the air in his lawn chair. 
and they had to put together a plan. They had to reroute traffic, air traffic. They had to move it to different airports. And they were so upset at Larry Hobson. They got Larry Hobson down. And they said, what were you thinking? And he says, well, you just can't sit around all summer, is what he said to the press. And this man, Antonio, he heard the story of Larry Hobson that I just told you. How many of you heard that story before about Larry Hobson floating away in the lawn chair? Okay, I heard it. And this man, Antonio, he heard the same story. And he was inspired by this story. Antonio was a Catholic priest. He was a Catholic priest in a different country. He was from the country of Brazil. And he heard the story all the way in Brazil of Antonio. And he says, you know what? Or of Larry Hobson. And Antonio said, you know what? If Larry Hobson can do it, I can do it. So Antonio, he did the same thing. He went, he got his lawn chair, he got his balloons, and he even invested in a couple things. He invested in a GPS system. Uh, he invested, he brought some food with him. He had a satellite phone. He wore a survival suit. He even uh, made sure that he had a life, just, a life jacket with him. And you know what Antonio did? Antonio, this priest, this Catholic priest, inspired by Larry Hobson's story, got in his lawn chair over in Brazil. I don't know what their lawn chairs look like. Probably looked like the same as ours. And he began to float up. Except for something bad went wrong with Antonio. Just like in Larry Hobson's story, the wind began to kick up and he was blown over the ocean. Over the ocean. Now this wasn't a problem, you think. In fact, Larry Ho uh, Antonio, he had a satellite phone and he had a GPS system. Okay, so it began to float over out into the open sea. Now hours and hours and hours and even days he's floating out into the open sea. And he gets on his phone. Now he's lost. He has no idea where he is. He's not coming down anytime soon. He wants to come down, but he just can't. So he gets on his satellite phone and he calls for help. And they say, where are you? And he says, I'm over the ocean. And they say, could you narrow it down? That's a little broad. And he says, no, I can't. And he says, I've got a GPS with me. And they said, okay, tell me your coordinates. And he says, I don't know how to turn it on. I don't know how to work it. He made a very bad mistake. He didn't know how to work his GPS device. And Larry Hobson began to float, and they tried and tried to get some help. And the winds changed as winds do, and he was blown out toward open sea. He could have parachuted to uh, land safely, but he chose not to do it there. And now it's too late. He's over the sea. Now he's perilously lost at sea. He prudently phoned for help, but the rescuers were unable to determine his location since he could not use his GPS. He struggled with the unit until the charge on the satellite phone dwindled and the phone went dead. And instead of the GPS, the priest let God be his guide, as the newspaper reported, and God guided him straight to heaven. <laughs> Bits of balloons began appearing in the mountains and the beaches, and ultimately the priest's body had surfaced. Here's a guy, Antonio. He did something very foolishly. He had heard this other story, and he, did, he acted in a way that was really stupid. When we come to the Bible this morning, the Bible outlines a few different characters in the book of Proverbs. And there's a few different characters in which we can identify our lives. The Bible talks about the wise men. And we're not going to talk about the wise men today, but I believe we should all endeavor to be wise. The Bible talks about the scorner. And there are those guys in your youth group that will scorn everything that God wants to do in your life. And there are those in your youth group, I, I don't doubt it for a minute, that they scorn the preaching, they scorn the Bible teaching, they scorn their parents' instruction. And the Bible talks about the, the, the scorner, the way of the scorner leads to destruction. And so there's the scorner, there's the wise man, but then there's the simple man, there's the foolish man. 
And I believe, sadly, in the 7th and 8th grade, I believe more teenagers fall into this category of the simple and the foolish. And look, they, have, they don't necessarily scorn everything that's preached from the Bible. And they, never, they don't necessarily scorn their teachers and they don't scorn their pastors. They aren't filled with wisdom, but they don't scorn it either. And I'm afraid that many, many teenagers in the 7th and 8th grade fall into this category of being a simple-minded and being a foolish Christian, okay? Guys, here's the deal. In 7th and 8th grade, this is where you set down the principles in your life in which you will live by. Here is where you will determine what type of Christian you will be, what type of man of God you will be, what type of husband you will be, what type of wife you will be. And I know it sounds so silly, but guys, you'll blink, and in a minute, you'll be 10 years down the road, and you'll have a family of your own, and you'll have decisions of your own. And look, if you don't decide to live for God right now, there's a good chance that you may never make that decision. Now is the time. Now is the time. I remember I've heard on multiple, multiple occasions stories from Brother Schmidt and even Brother Schmidt's teachers in high school talking of Brother Schmidt and saying how he, as a seventh grader, decided to be a man of God. Now, guys, let me tell you this. As I said earlier, your seventh grade years, your eighth grade years are one of your, these are some of the most fun, fun-filled years of your life. But at the same time, are you going to get grounded in the Word of God? Are you going to be a wise Christian? Are you going to be a wise 7th grader? Or are you going to be a foolish 7th grader? Today, and very quickly, from the Word of God, I want to paint for you a portrait of the foolish man. A portrait of the foolish man. How many guys have ever been to maybe Six Flags before? Maybe Knott's Berry Farm, Magic Mountain, where they do those little caricatures? How many guys have seen those before? Okay. Those caricatures, what they do is you sit down in that chair, you give them $20, maybe $30, some ridiculous amount of money, and they'll sketch you. How many of you guys have ever gotten one of those done before? You know what they do with those caricatures? They take your features and they exaggerate them, all right? If you've got a big nose and you don't like it, don't go get your caricature done because your nose is going to be bigger. If you got big ears and you don't like it, don't get a caricature done because your ears are going to be bigger. They take your futures and you, they exaggerate it. And it looks funny. It's out of proportion. Things are distorted. It's not quite reality, but it's a, it's a reflection of reality. This morning, from the Word of God, I want to look at an undistorted view, an undistorted portrait of the foolish man. And may we learn this morning what a foolish man looks like. And here's undoubtedly what will happen this morning. If you're paying attention, which I plead for you to do, and you listen from the Word of God, as we describe the foolish man, there will be those in your room that say, hey, that verse, that just described me. I don't want to be honest. I, I, I don't want to admit it. But you know, if I'm going to be honest before God, that verse describes my life. So this morning, from the Word of God, very quickly, if you're taking notes, let's paint the portrait of a foolish man. First of all, what does the Bible tell us about a foolish man or a foolish woman or a foolish teenager? A foolish person, number one, a foolish person ignores reproof. A foolish person ignores reproof. Reproof isn't a word that we use a lot in today's vernacular, in today's vocabulary. Reproof, what does that mean? That is correction. Where do we receive correction? 
Well, ultimately, we receive correction from the Word of God. We receive correction from the authority that's put in our life. A foolish person, the Bible tells us, ignores reproof. Where do, we, where do we hear that from? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and in righteousness. Proverbs 17.10 says, A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. A foolish person ignores reproof. There are some teenagers that all you have to do, if you're doing something wrong, all you have to do, all your parents have to do, all your youth pastor has to do is just look at you. And they maybe even shake your hand, shake their head, shake their finger and say, hey, don't do that. And a wise person said, well, you know what? That is correction from authority. I'm going to change that right away. But the verse says, look, a wise person, you'll give them reproof, you'll correct them, and they'll make the correction. A foolish person says you can beat them, literally, you can whip them a hundred times and they still don't get it. How many of you guys have a brother or sister before that, that did something really stupid and they got spanked for it, okay? How many of you guys have been there before? This is just a side note. How many of you guys, something went wrong in your house, maybe something got broken, your parents come to you. How many of you guys were ever successful enough to get your parents to think it was another sibling. I'll never forget that. Well, that was one of my earliest memories. I broke something in my house, and I remember my, my dad lined all of us up. And for some reason, my dad thought it was Christine. And I don't know why I thought that, but I let him think that. And I remember walking into my bedroom and looking past into my mom and dad's bedroom, and there's Christine. She's screaming. And she's crying because she's getting spanked for something I broke. And there was a tinge of guilt, but I wasn't going to go and and, and tell my dad what really happened. I thought, you know what? It all evens out in the long end. I'm sure I'll get blamed for something that she did. But if you guys have got a younger brother or sister, I don't know about you, but there have been times where my younger brother or my sisters, man, they did something dumb, or even me, I had done something stupid. And it's like, man, I just got spanked for it. And then I'm, I'm never going to do this again. And then the next day I do it again. How many guys have been there before? All right. My, growing up, my dad... His big, his big pet, pet peeve after church was that after church, Larry, you come to me and you stay in the auditorium and you stay by me. And when it's time to go, you better be at the car. How many guys have heard that before? Okay. And that was my best intention every service. Every service I said, you know what? I need, I, I need, because I have the tendency to lose track of time. And I thought, man, I need to be in here. I need to be in the auditorium. I need to stand here. I need to buy, be by my parents' car. Sure enough, the service would get out. I'd have a friend come. Hey, come look at this anthill we found. Okay. <laughs> you know, look at this anthill. And then, oh, look at that path. I wonder where that goes. Let's take this path out in the desert. And then, then oh, you know, there's an old mailbox. And here, here I am roaming the desert within a mile radius of our church, you know. And then what happens, you know. Two hours later, I'm like, oh, church is out. <laughs> I see one car left in the parking lot. It's my dad's car. I'm like thinking, oh, stink. I'll tell him I was praying or something. You know, I'll make up some story. I led someone to the Lord, Dad, but that never works. And I remember, I remember on multiple occasions coming back and going, going home, pulling down my pants and bending over <laughs> and getting corrected and thinking to myself, 
Larry, don't ever do that again. That hurts too bad. It wasn't even worth it. That anthill was not impressive at all. And then the next Sunday, I'd go back, and the same thing. I'd tell myself, man, I can't do this. I remember one time, it was during Dr. Getch's revival services, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And at that time, we had this little reservoir on the back end of our campus. And I remember that was just so impressive to me because it was like a lake in the middle of Lancaster. If you're not from Lancaster, okay, Lancaster is this barren desert nastiness. So anytime anything green or anything wet comes, we get really excited. And I thought, man, we got this own lake on campus. And I go down there, and I just look at the lake, and I try to skip rocks and stuff. And sure enough, man, same thing happens, spankings. And you know what? A foolish person, that's how their life is. Correction after correction after correction. Look it. It's okay to be corrected. No one expects you to be perfect. But look, if you aren't changing course after that correction, that's when there's a problem. Guys, when your youth pastor comes to you and says, hey, don't wear your hat like that. Guys, don't snap your bandanas. Don't have that sort of attitude. Don't talk to me, don't talk to me that way. Or don't look at me that way. Or don't talk to your parents that way. Or sit up straight. Okay, it's okay to be corrected. Because there's a man of God there, there's a parent that is looking after your spiritual well-being. And be thankful for that correction. A foolish person, however, ignores that correction. If you are having to be told repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly to change something in your life, you say, Brother Chapel, it's so stupid. I don't know why they'd have me to do it. You are a foolish, foolish man. Number one, a foolish person ignores correction. A foolish person ignores reproof. Proverbs 25, 19.25, Reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. Even wise teens and people mess up from time to time. Good news is for the most part, when you mess up, the authority doesn't hold that over your head, but they're looking for your correction in your life. Number two, a foolish person despises instruction. A foolish person despises instruction. Got to move quickly here. A foolish person is not humble enough to admit that he needs instruction. He thinks he already knows everything. Now here's the cool thing. Coming into seventh grade, coming into eighth grade, especially coming into seventh grade when everything's new, for the most part from the seventh grade, it seems like you guys have a great, a good, a great attitude. Um, you're just learning things. You're just figuring things out. This is your first year at camp. You don't know Maybe where to go, when to go, what time to do it. But you're just generally, you, you want to do right. And then sometimes something settles in. And this can happen in the seventh grade just as easily. It can happen in the eighth grade, all the way on through high school. Somewhere along the line, you think you know it all. You think you've got it. And let me, let me warn you guys against this mentality that I've got it all figured out. A foolish person despises instruction. A foolish person hates to be instructed. Let me tell you guys what we're doing right now. We just had game time. We just are going to eat in a minute. But what we, do, what we are doing right now is receiving instruction, okay? From God's word. Now look, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to deliver God's instruction as best as I can. But the bottom line is, what I'm telling you this morning is from the word of God. And a foolish person despises instruction. Some of you guys just hate school. You hate going into a sermon and sitting there, and you're like, man, what can I do for an hour? What, maybe I can play on my phone. Maybe I can count the ceiling tiles. Maybe I can fall asleep. I'll do whatever I can do. A foolish person hates receiving instruction. 
But on the opposite end, a wise person says, look, let me receive instruction. You're going to teach me? There's probably a reason you're teaching me. There's probably a reason that my parents have invested into my life and sending me to this camp, paying a couple hundred bucks to do so. And that is probably because they want me to receive instruction. So to the best of my ability, from the Word of God, I'm going to do everything I can do to receive instruction. A foolish person, however, despises instruction. Proverbs 15.5 A fool despises his father's instruction. It is your parents' biblical duty to raise you up in a way that pleases the Lord. Now, my dad was very active in my life in giving me instruction. He was always instructing me, and he was always correcting me. And any time I failed to heed to his instruction, it was bad for me. And if you've got a parent in, in, in this room, and look, I realize in a, in a group this size, there's probably some split homes, there's probably some, some families in here who have been divorced, and that's never God's plan. But if you're in here and you have either a mom or a dad or both who love you enough to instruct you, and you guys got in here, I've met, I think, every single one of your youth pastors, and you've got a youth pastor that wants to do his best to instruct, instruct you, receive that instruction. Receive that instruction. A foolish person hates instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We said that uh, a few minutes ago. Interesting enough, if you despise instruction, it says something about your basic respect and reverence for the Lord. Let me give you a little illustration. How many of you guys have ever had a substitute teacher before? Okay. How many of you guys, when you hear the announcement come to you, maybe in homeroom, maybe uh, 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 a week prior you hear the announcement, class, tomorrow you will have a substitute teacher. How many guys just get a little bit excited about that? Okay. Now, guys, you may not know how to articulate this yet, but probably part of the reason you're excited is because you're like, oh, man, we're going to get away with more stuff now. You know, tomorrow is going to be great. And how many of you guys, honestly, and if you have never done this, don't ever do this, but I remember when we had substitute teachers, we always tried to do things like change the clock in the back, you know, just get us five more minutes at lunch or tell them, um, oh, yeah, we always go outside and swing on the swing sets for Bible class, you know, enjoy God's creation, and just try a little tweak the schedule here and there. And if you've ever had a substitute teacher, and this, this is what always happened in my class, I'd always have our regular teacher would get up and say, class tomorrow, you will have a substitute teacher. Now, I want you to do this work on this page, and I want you to pay attention, and I want you to be respectful. Now, I can think of some times where we were. We were respectful. We did the work that we were supposed to do. And I can think of other times that, I mean, we, it was chaos. I remember one time, and I'm not proud of this, but just to illustrate how stupid I was, we, we had a substitute teacher, and her name was Miss Wade, and she weighed a lot. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, she actually didn't, but we said she did because it rhymed. Um, she came into our class, and she was our substitute, and she pulled her car. She had a nice car up, and we went up to the front of her at the front of class, and we're trying to tell her, hey, uh, this is how, what time we usually get out, and can we do this, we can do that. And she's trying to tell us no, no, and I look down, and I see her car keys sitting there in the purse. So I do one of these little things, and I pick them up, and I go back to my seat. We go back in there. Class starts. We pray. Hit the car alarm. You know, it's going off. She's like, who's got my car keys? You know, we're all standing there like, <laughs> we're not saying anything. We're just, we're sitting there. 
And we just, it was a bad class period. It was really bad. And I remember getting, receiving demerits. And I remember the teacher came back and he wasn't very happy. But what does that tell you when, uh, when your teacher asks you to be respectful and then the substitute comes in? That is showing your respect, not just for the substitute teacher, is showing your respect for your teacher. Now, your teacher wasn't even there. But your ability to receive instruction is a reflection of your attitude towards authority. So a foolish person receives instruction, okay? we got to move quickly. Number three, a foolish person perceives himself as always right. A foolish person perceives himself as always right. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 14, 16. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. A fool perceives himself as always right. I'll talk with guys sometimes in our youth group in years past and even this year, and you try to give them instruction. You try to give them instruction and, and correction, but they're always right. They're always right. They never, they never want to defer to, uh, to authority in their lives. They are always right, and a fool perceives himself as always right. Guys, if you're ever corrected, if you're ever pulled aside and say, hey, let's change this or let's, let's not talk, you're like, well, I wasn't talking. So-and-so there distracted me, and all I did was turn around, and I just looked at them, and that's when you saw me. And that may or may not have been the case, but a foolish person perceives himself as always right. Uh, Their parents will ask them to do something, and an argument pursues, ensues, and a foolish person is always right. Guys, do not get caught up in the habit of always asking your parents, What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? It is not your parents' job to prove to you what is wrong with something. And it's, it, it, it is their job to give you instruction, to give you correction, and you are to obey it, not to debate it. And a foolish person perceives himself as always right. Number four, moving right along. A foolish person sees mischief as sport. A foolish person sees mischief as as sport. Now, here's the thing, and you guys, this should ring a bell in your mind. A foolish person thinks it's funny to cause trouble, and when he's corrected, he reacts by this, hey, I was just kidding. Can't you take a joke? I don't know if you guys ever had that happen to you before. Maybe a teacher comes to you, your parents come to you, you just took your brother, tied him in a knot, stuffed him in the attic, and sprayed pepper spray in his eyes. And your mom comes and says, what were you doing to Johnny? And you're like, Bro, I was just messing around. He, he just can't take a joke, you know. Uh, it's, it, you're at football practice and you do something. You take your cleats and you, you take them off your, your, your foot and you like hit someone in the eye. Now he's bleeding. He's got no eyeballs left. Your coach comes to you. What was that all about? I was just joking, you know. I'll hear it tonight. I'll hear it, you know, last night. I'm sure this, uh, this, this, this took place, you know. Time to go to bed. Maybe, it's, maybe someone decides to do a practical joke. Maybe someone tries to wrestle. Someone gets hurt. This is always what happens 100% of the time. I was just joking around. I was just being, I was just being silly. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything bad. You know what? A foolish person never sees himself as doing something wrong. It was just a joke. 
Okay? Guys, there's time, there's time to joke. There's a time to mess around. But look, when you're corrected and when you receive instruction and when you're asked to change something or maybe you are confronted, if your first response all the time was, I was just joking around, that is a very foolish way to live. A foolish man sees mischief as a sport. He sees messing around and he sees mocking his teacher and rebelling against his parents and being retarded as just fun. And guys, look, there's time to have fun, but life isn't about just fun. And the end purpose of your life shouldn't be, guys, to make your neighbor laugh beside you during the preaching. And the end purpose of your life shouldn't be to be the class clown or just to have fun every single minute of your life. There are times when we need to come with a holy calm in our hearts and say, God, what do you have for me? And this is the time to learn it in seventh and eighth grade to learn these uh, important truths in your life. A foolish person perceives himself as always right. A foolish person, that was number three. Number four, a foolish person perceives mischief as a sport. Now, where do we find this? Proverbs 10, 23. And we're almost at, you guys are listening well. Stay with me here. Proverbs 10, 23. It is as a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. Okay? You know, some people, they like basketball. Some people like football. Some people just like to mess around, okay? To a degree, that's okay. But guys, sometimes the main, if, if the main purpose of your life and the goal of every single minute of your day is to mess around and to have fun, and if you're not having fun, then you've got a problem with everything. Look, there are times in your life when, when it's not necessarily a fun time. And it is as a sport... Uh, to a fool to do mischief. The opposite of wisdom is folly, meaning the short-term self-indulgent, which marks out the person who doesn't think about long-term priorities and goals, but lives them the day-by-day basis, asking themselves, what is the most fun thing to do now? Guys, that should not be the question that you ask yourself every day. What can I do now that's fun? How about what can I do now that honors my parents, that glorifies God, that helps me develop spiritually in my life. All right, number five. A foolish person makes a mockery of sin. Proverbs 14, verse 9. Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Guys, this is a very important one. One of the ways that the devil works is he tries to make sin... And he tries to make evil funny. Because if the devil can get you to laugh at sin, and the devil can get you to laugh at evil things, then you're not going to have a problem with them. Because you see it as funny. Now guys, there are television shows, I can tell you right now, that are funny, but that are wrong. And maybe you've developed the wrong type of humor. Guys, there's a lot of junk, and there's a lot of garbage I can think of countless shows you say well it's a cartoon well you know what Hollywood's proven to us that they can make a cartoon and it can be as filthy as possibly imaginable and a foolish person looks at sin and laughs at it guys do not get in the habit of laughing at sin learn now to not make a mock of sin not to make fun of sin to a fool Sinful things, it's just messing around, it's just fun. And that is, a de- that is a trap of the devil to get you to believe 
that sin is just fun. Fools make a mock of sin, but among the righteous, there is favor. Look, you'll see one of your friends get in trouble. Maybe your youth pastor pulls them out of the room. Maybe the youth pastor has to pull them out of team Bible study. Maybe your parents pull them aside and they're getting in trouble. You know what? Sometimes our first response is, oh, look at him. Busted. He's in trouble. I wonder what he did. You know, I wonder, he, I wonder if he got caught for that. <gasps> I wonder if he's going to tell on me. I wonder if he saw me do that too. You know, a foolish person makes light of sin. A wise person sees sin and sees the consequences of that sin. Uh, the devil wants you to believe that those stupid, filthy, perverted, vulgar cartoons are just about having fun, are just about watching something fun, are just about laughing. It's just entertainment. A wise person says that's more than entertainment. That is a worldly philosophy that if I buy into, I'm going to train wreck my life. A wise person will look at those things and say, hey, sin is not funny. Guys, right now, establish this principle in your life that sin is not funny. Number six, moving right along, just a couple more. A foolish person is quick-tempered. A foolish person is quick-tempered. If you cannot control your temper, you will be all your life labeled as a fool by those who know God's word. A foolish person is quick-tempered. A couple verses here. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. A stone is heavy and the sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than, them bo than them both. Okay? Guys, we're not in junior high. We're not in elementary school anymore. And girls, we're not in elementary school anymore. And coming into 7th and 8th grade, especially those just coming into 7th grade, look, sometimes in elementary school, we can react on our emotions. You know, you get pushed off a swing set. Someone throws sand in your eyes, makes a dirty face at you. You can get really mad, and you can push them, you know. But you weigh like 30 pounds, and the person you're pushing weighs like 25 pounds, and no one gets hurt, you know. And your teacher says, guys, don't push each other. That's not nice, okay? Look, coming into seventh grade, if you let your anger get out of control, you can do some damage. Not just to a person, but in your own life. And it's amazing sometimes, guys, how the devil packages things. A lot of times, guys that are angry, at the same time, they have a problem because they can't control their fleshly anger. Now they can't control their fleshly appetites. And guys, 99% of the time, uh, with anger comes fleshly appetites and pornography and things like that. And if you can't control your fleshly anger, you won't be able to control your fleshly appetite. And a, and a foolish person is quick to anger. I've told some of you guys in our youth group before, one of the stupid things, stupidest things I ever did was when I was in seventh grade and my, my dad had sent my younger sister, Christine, uh, Miss, Mrs. Sisson, to me. Now, she was like in fourth grade maybe, maybe fifth grade. My dad sent Mrs. Sisson to me to come and get me. And I was out on the ball field and I was playing ball with some of my friends. And Christine came running down. I'll never forget. She had little pigtails on her hair. She comes running down. She comes running down all the way to the ball field. And she's like, Larry, come up to the car right now. And you know what? Just the way she said it was not very respectful of me as a seventh grader. And she said it to me in front of all my friends. And I'm telling you, it was a little bit embarrassing to me. And I didn't like it. And I got mad really quick. I mean, just like that. And then you're like, you know, the famous line, once your, your brother or sister tells you to do something, what's the next thing you say? Who says? 
You know, because if you say, uh-uh, dream on, shoo, shoo, go away. You know what? But who says? So she comes down. Uh, she came down. She's like, you have to come to the car right now. And I said, who says? She's like, dad says. And I'm like, oh, dad, why did, you, why did you send my younger sister to be the messenger? And I'm seriously, I got so mad. And I remember Christine, she comes down to the field. Come to the car. Who says? Dad says. She turns around. She's got a little pigtails, a little blonde culottes on, nothing matches, you know, just in third or fourth grade, whatever she was. And she's running back up to the car, and I see, I was so filled up with angry that I saw, I looked down, and there's this big rock. It wasn't even a rock. It was a chunk of asphalt, you know, that had, that had, was there, that presented itself as an opportunity to me. And you know what I did? I picked up that chunk of asphalt, and I was so mad at Christine. I wasn't even thinking about it. I just picked it up. Before I knew, I threw it, and like right there, is when I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> I should not have done that. And I could see this rock flying in the air, and I'm thinking, I just killed my sister. <laughs> I'm going to have to go turn myself in. Maybe I could be a fugitive. Maybe I could run. Maybe she'll make it. Maybe she'll be in ICU. And I'm thinking all these thoughts, and it's just flying in the air, like in slow motion. And I remember just saying, please, Lord, let me miss. But you know what? With arms like that and with skill and accuracy, like David of old, I threw that rock like David did to Goliath. And I threw that rock, and I remember coming down, coming down, and it was like perfect how she was running this way, and the rock comes flying, and they met perfectly. And I don't even know how this happened because her back was to me, but the way it hit, it came just over her shoulder and hit right there. I'm telling you, it knocked her to the ground. I thought, uh, there she's dead. <laughs> Probably won't even let me come to their funeral. And I remember it knocked her to the ground, and she started screaming, and I remember... My dad driving out, running out quickly. And I'm mean, seriously, she was like bleeding and stuff. It was a bad, bad day. And I remember going home and getting whipped. And I just remember thinking to myself how stupid that was because I was angry. Okay, guys, I don't know who in this room, and it seems to be, guy, girls can get angry too. But it seems to be oftentimes the guys will, will, will deal with this problem. Guys, learn to control yourself. Okay, look. Someone takes your top bunk bed that you wanted at camp, okay? Life goes on, all right? Things will be okay. Look, your team doesn't win. Life goes on. These little problems in our life, they'll come and they'll go. A foolish person is quick to anger, okay? We got to be quick to finish this lesson here. A foolish person is quick-tempered. Number six, we talked about that. Number seven, a foolish person meddles in the affairs of others. What does that mean? A fool is a busybody and a gossip. Now, girls, guys tend to be the angry ones, but girls tend to be the ones to gossip, okay? I have never understood the politics of junior high girls, okay? <laughs> I've, I never really have even tried, but I've heard. I've heard of alliances that are formed, you know? You talk to this person, but that... You know, that person said this to me last year at teen camp. I can't believe you would even talk to them. I just asked them where the restroom was. But still, you talked to them. I can't believe you did that, you know. And the alliances are forming. <gasps> did you see so-and-so sitting by so-and-so? And did you know what so-and-so did last year? And do you know what her older sister did to my sister 10 years ago at this very same camp? Sorry, I just spit on you <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> I, I saw... I, What's your name? Sarah. Sarah. I just spit right in Sarah's mouth. I saw a spit. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sarah. 
I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and then I see Sarah very politely go, like <laughs> that. Oh, that stinks. I'm sorry, Sarah. All right. Shh. Man, I don't even know what we were talking about. What were we talking about? A foolish person. Oh, meddles in the affairs of others. Girls, guys, mind your own business sometimes. Look, don't, don't form alliances. Guys, don't form cliques. Don't form a certain group of people, and that's all you'll be friends with. And then there's another group of people, and I won't be friends with them. And if you talk to that girl, I won't be your friend. Uh, guys, knock that off. That is very foolish living. Uh, don't, don't fall prey to that. Mind your own business. Don't meddle in the affairs of another. It is an honor, the Bible says, for a man to cease strife, but every fool will be meddling. Let me tell you guys, there are some teenagers, they just want to get dirt on other teenagers. They want to know, hey, what did so-and-so do? Why'd they have to run the hill last night? Look at a foolish person just thrives on that stuff. But let me tell you what the honorable thing to do. Let me tell you, girls, what the honorable thing to do. When someone comes up to you, and wants to talk bad about something, someone else. The honorable thing to do, the honorable thing to do is to say, look, I'm not going to have any part of that. If you want to talk bad about this person, fine, but let's go get that person so she can hear, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. I mean, it wasn't that bad, you know what she did. The honorable thing to do is not to even lend your ear to it. Let me tell you guys this, and this, it'll be fine. Okay, try to pay attention here. Following me. Okay, let's look up here. Let's try to avoid the B. The honorable thing to do, guys, if a guy, one of your friends, or girls, if one of your friends, if someone comes to you and is willing to talk bad about someone else to you, that same person will go talk to that other person bad about you. Okay? If someone's willing to gossip to you, they'll gossip about you. So learn to not meddle in the affairs of the other. I, uh, there was one time, and I hesitate to tell this story sometimes because there's still a little root of bitterness in my heart. But when I say mind your own stuff, man, just keep to your own. I don't, I don't like when people are always trying to find out stuff about me or coming, trying to get information from me. Uh, I remember one time... We had, uh, we were living in a trailer last year, and we were building a house, we were living in a trailer, and it was just one of these mobile trailers, and I remember we went on vacation for like three days, and we came back to our trailer, and I stepped out of my car, and I smelled something, and it just didn't smell right, you know? It smelled like a, a dairy, you guys know when you drive through a dairy, you just smell that poop smell, you know? But there's no dairies in Lancaster, you know. So I'm, I, I opened the car door, and it was a hot summer day, and it was so hot. And I opened the car door, and I just smelled something really, really, really bad. And then immediately in my head, sensors went off. There is something wrong right now, something bad wrong. We're living in this trailer. I pull up to the trailer, it just smells so bad. And I remember saying, Ashley, just stay in the car. I don't know what this is, but... It may, be, uh, <laughs> it may be hazardous to our health. It just smells that bad. So just stay in the car. So I remember going up to my trailer and just still, I felt like nothing felt right. It was, I was like a horror movie or something. And I walk up to the trailer where we were living there for three months or so. And I began to notice stuff all over my trailer. And I couldn't identify it, but it stunk really bad. 
It was like mud and dirt, okay? Later I found out it wasn't mud or dirt. <laughs> and I remember unlocking the key to my trailer and opening the door. And we had a, we have a cat. My wife got us a cat. And we had a cat in the trailer. And I remember as soon as we opened that door, that cat just went boom out of that trailer. It just went running. And I remember, I mean, I almost felt backward because there was a smell in that trailer that was so bad. And I remember walking into that trailer and it smelled so bad, I'm now covering my mouth like this. And I go up there, and what had happened was our septic tank on our trailer had exploded. Exploded inside of our trailer and outside of our trailer. Whoever designed this particular model of trailer had a real sense of humor because they put the relief valve for, our, for the septic tank. There's a relief valve in case the pressure builds up too much. They put a relief valve at the top of the trailer. It's like a volcano, basically. And when it built up enough pressure, it erupted with human stuff all over the place. And I'm telling you, that human stuff went for like yards and yards and yards surrounding our trailer. And that's what the awful smell was. And I walked into our trailer. And we had weeks and weeks of human stuff stored in our septic tank, I'm sure. And it all backed up and burst into our trailer and, and filled the bottom of our trailer. I look at it this way. And it was nasty. And come to find out, we had someone come while we were gone, and they were messing with some of the stuff on our trailer, and they hooked up a hose to our trailer, and it had just blown the top off the septic tank, and they had meddled with our stuff. Let me tell you guys, when you dive into gossiping and when you dive into meddling, look, it, you're just opening a whole bunch of stuff that you ought not to be even dealing with. And it's like septic. It's like sewage. You can never backtrack. You can never take back your words. It'll come back to haunt you. So don't meddle. A wise person minds his own business. Number eight, we'll be done. A foolish person despises his parents. A foolish person despises his parents. Look, bottom line here, and we'll be dismissed. God put parents in your life for a purpose. That is to give you instruction. That is to be an authority in your life. A, a wise person will accept that they have parents and listen to what their parents have to say. A foolish person will despise his parents. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.